0: Focus on
1: Headline
0: Alright, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline And joining us in the studio, first and foremost, we have our usual uh, regular reporter in Yoon Se-young Se-young, hello to you
1: Hi, SJ Hello
0: to you And we have a new voice and a new face joining us in our Korea Now family uh, It is Chang Hana joining us Hana, hello to you
2: Hi, everyone. It's Hannah. Welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for welcoming me.
0: Do we call you Hannah or do I call you Hannah?
2: Oh, whichever.
0: I'm, man, this is gonna be <laughs> tough. I'm always bad with names, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, go with Hannah since you called yourself Hannah here. We do uh, welcome you on our program today again. Uh, we are at our final episode of Korea Now before the new season kicks off. So a lot of changes ahead. And uh, again, I did hint at all of our listeners out there we're gonna have some new voices. This including uh, Hannah who'll be joining us uh, for Focus on Headline. Well, nevertheless, uh, let's jump right into some of the issues here where we're gonna start things off as we start. Uh, we talked about it quite a bit, and we said that uh, this name is going to come out quite a bit uh, in the news. Uh, Chen Wan, he is the grandson of the former authoritarian ruler Chen uh, who arrived at Guangzhou right before, right after being released from the uh, police custody. He had been investigated for alleged drug use, and uh, finally, also meeting with the May Eighteenth Foundation on this Friday. So you're going to start us off with this meeting. Uh, what do you have for us?
1: Yes, Cho nu has planned to held a meeting with the bereaved families of the victims of the Gwangju Democratic Movement today at the reception hall of the May 18th Memorial Culture Center in Seo-gu, Gwangju. This historical moment made him uh, the very first member of Chun's family to visit Gwangju and express sincere apology, admitting the fact that his grandfather Chun Doo-hwan is a sinner who committed a terrible crime. He said, My grandfather Chun failed to promote the development of democracy and rather allowed democratic backsliding in the country. And I'd like to apologize once again to Gwangju citizens who greatly suffered while overcoming fear and confronting military dictatorship with courage. Then, Jeon uwon went on to say that not only my family members, but also I am an ugly sinner who should be ashamed in front of you, but I really wanted to apologize through this opportunity and I want to fulfill my responsibilities from now on as a family member of Chon. After delivering the speech, chon also visited the graves of the victims, and, and this includes an 11-year-old student's grave. There, he wiped the victim's tombstone with the jacket, that he was waiting which made the people witnessing that moment teary-eyed
0: now so far i have been following uh this story and then also been looking at some of the articles and as you know there's some comments mm-hmm. being made by the netizens uh so far it does seem like it's positive right at least right. there is some member of the Chanduan family uh that is uh, apologizing for the action of course the unfortunate thing is that there was no proper apology coming in mm-hmm. from Chanduan himself before he died but speaking of which also, a lot of attention being paid to how the bereaved families of the, uh, the victims responded to his apology. Uh, what was the reaction of the citizens of Gwangju? Se-young?
1: Well, what was very impressive was Gwangju's citizens actually appreciated his courageous decision and embraced him with a warm welcome. Jeon also said he was so grateful that Gwangju welcomed him with a warm heart, uh, respo- a response he did not expect at first. Indeed, citizens of Gwangju who came to to see Jeon when he first arrived at the city on the previous day also cheered him up saying thank you for coming and your visit and since your attitude mean a lot to us then uh, repentance and reconciliation continued today as well when Jeon one kneeled down in front of the tombstone of a victim and took off his jacket to polish it the mother of the victim showed tears and said son um, the grandson of the person who killed you finally came to you to apologize and it was Moment that the bereaved families of the victims desperately waited for more than 40 years. She also consoled Chonwon, who has had a hard time psychologically, and asked him to visit Kwangju more often and comfort the souls of the victims. And like mentioned on the show yesterday, Chun Duhan hwan completely denied responsibility for the May 18 Gwangju massacre that happened in 1980. And even after Chun's death, his family uh, members, including his wife Yi sun ja continued to argue that it was a riot led by North Korean military, distorting the truth. For that reason, Chun doo hwans confession and apology meant more than just an apology. And it was the moment when the tremendous pain uh, the Gwangju citizens suffered as innocent victims was finally recognized. Now it remains to be seen what kind of steps uh, Jeon Woo-won will take in the future and what changes his visit to Gwangju will bring. But his sincere attitude shows very well how the perpetrator should ask the victims for forgiveness. And it also suggests a lot to our society, especially... When it has become very, very difficult for the victims to receive genuine apology from the perpetrators,
0: a lot of uh, questions as to why now, uh, why now is the apology coming? And of course, although uh, the victims and the family did not get the apology from uh, Chen himself, again, it is it does take a lot of courage mm-hmm. uh, to go face uh, the very people that your grandfather, of course, uh, you know, the families of the you know the victims, um, and if. A lot of people are saying that moving forward here, of course, Cho Nguyen has been openly stating some of the black money that his family was uh, benefiting from. And so that might be the next thing, right? And so will the family pay for this? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, and I I like how things, the, 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 the process here, the apology came first. And then now is going to be probably him calling out his family members, all the black money, and there's going to be investigation as to where those money were hidden in the first place here. So again, this is not going to be the last time that we're going to be talking about this very issue. Uh, I'm going to move on here. The government and the ruling People Power Party agreeing to temporarily hold off in raising electricity and gas bills here. Uh, Obviously, good news because they were expected to rise from the second quarter. Hannah, you have more on this.
2: Right. The government and the ruling People Power Party Party reaffirmed that electricity and gas rate hikes are inevitable at the policy consultation meeting held on Wednesday, citing reasons such as to resolve the accumulating operating loss of Korea's power distributor, Korea Electric Power Corporation and Korea Gas Corporation. The Ministry of Trade, Industry and Energy, the ministry responsible for the hike, has presented multiple proposals. However, the government and the ruling party decided to tentatively postpone electricity and gas rate hikes during a policy consultation meeting held today, the day before the new proposal was set to take effect. The decision was made due to falling global energy prices and taking into consideration of concerns that a hike in utility fees may add economic burdens on the people, amid high inflation and economic slowdown. It was also pointed out that the two power companies should come up with their own plan to resolve the deficit before implementing the rate hike. Lawmakers said that it is hard to say at this point whether and when the prices will start to increase as there are many, many factors to consider, such as the trend in global energy prices and the management plan of KEPCO and COGAS to reduce operating losses. Once the time comes, with the best option in place, the government and the parliament will definitely be be raising electricity prices. Yeah,
0: so again, the big question is if they're going to not hike the prices in the second quarter. And let's see, the second quarter is from uh, May to about, when is it, May, June, July August. It is at the height of electricity use, right? And mm-hmm. so there's going to be a lot of people complaining about the electricity bills when the AC and things like that. And so, uh, I guess, uh, but again, I mean the Kepco is one of those things where I think the consumers kind of understood because Kepco was bleeding money, right? There's right. heavy mm-hmm. deficits on that frontier. here. Right. Uh, more figures here this time. South Korea saw an increase in production, consumption and investment last month, uh, make, marking the triple increase for the first time in 14 months. But... Uh, despite this performance, the economic outlook does remain grim due to the sharp drop in semiconductor production. So you have more on these figures.
1: Yes, um, South Korea recorded this cold, a so called triple increase, but still, it is difficult to say that the economic slowdown trend has improved. And the reason is that, as you said, SJ, the semiconductor production has plummeted by about 17% compared to the previous month. Semiconductors, as we all know, play a pivotal role in South Korea's economy, so it's difficult to expect an economic recovery if semiconductor production does not revive. And to give you more details, by industry, production in the service industry decreased in information and communication but increased in accommodation and food of 0.7 percent from the previous month. Consumption, which has been under decline for three consecutive months since November last year, also jumped by 5.3 percent last month. Meanwhile, manufacturing and electricity and gas industries dropped by 3.2 percent from the previous month and manufacturing in increased in primary metals and chemicals but plunged in semiconductors by over 70 percent again marking the largest decline a month since december 2008 Um, and automobiles also fell by near five percent in particular semiconductors especially memory chips industry fell sharply since the second half of last year and compared to the same month last year it plunged 41.8 percent which is a huge drop Overall, there are some positive factors when it comes to economic recovery, such as increase in consumption. But again, as a semiconductor industry, South Korea's leading industry is not showing any improvement, pundits say. We'll have to wait and see how the situation will pan out. And I just want to add that I believe South Korea really needs to find a breakthrough as soon as possible, because um, under the U.S. measures targeting China's semiconductor industry, Seoul, Korea is under pressure and its chip export to China is only dropping. Plus, China aims to continue to increase domestic semiconductor production. So, the situation will not go back to where it used to be. And South Korea really needs to find its own way to survive.
0: Yeah. And so, they were saying that they need to diversify their uh, export portfolios Mm. because, I mean, that was the big chunk of the export figures that were declining. I mean, China was, uh, you know, buying all the the semiconductor chips and uh, COVID-19 was one of the reasons. And then now you have this export export restriction being kind of placed by the United States, can South Korea really afford to do so, right? And the other Mm -hmm. option is kind of uh, exporting, uh, you know, diversifying their export portfolio. But we're also sharing this market cap with like TSMC of like uh, uh, Taiwan, and then you have uh, ASML with uh, the Netherlands, and you have uh, Japan, and then you have uh, United States. And so is it going to be enough is the big Mm -hmm. question here. So good point there.
1: Diversifying the market is really important, but not by just completely ignoring that China. Yeah, that's the right? thing, right? You can not uh-huh. You you can
0: say all you will about, uh, I'm going to get closer to the United States. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, I mean, you need China as right. the biggest trading partner there. And that's a large chunk here. So again, we'll see how the UN administration balances things out. And it is unfortunate that the, the Biden administration continues to pressure uh, South Korea. Uh, moving on here, for the first time, South Korean government having made public the details of North Korea's dire human rights violations uh, this is a more than 400-page report uh, containing uh, testimonies of how people on the other side of the peninsula, even minors, uh, including pregnant women, they have been deprived of their freedom to live, relocate, and express themselves. Hannah, we're going to get more on this.
2: Yes. Well, The South Korean government will reveal explicit details of North Korea's dire human rights situation to the public for the first time. In a rare move, South Korea has shared the details of a report on how North Korea has been abusing the rights of its people. The 400-page report includes vivid testimony from more than 500 North Korean defectors who came to South Korea from 2017 to 2022. The documents claim that people have been deprived of their rights to live, choose their religion, and even relocate. People have been sentenced to death for not following COVID-19 quarantine rules or for watching or even sharing content from South Korea. Now, the regime has not spared women or even children. The situation was even worse for prisoners, many known to have died of malnutrition, overwork, and physical assault. People's right to express their thoughts, their rights to privacy, and to travel have also been violated due to strict surveillance. And the authorities also conduct sudden checks on whether people are wearing badges depicting North Korea's founder Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-un's father Kim Jong-il and even monitor their phone calls. Some details in the report have been pointed out by private institutions and international organizations. But Seoul's unification ministry says the fact that it is in an official document of the South Korean government is significant because it reflects the UN administration's determination to improve such conditions. The ministry says it hopes the report will lead to a change in the way North Korean authorities exert control and vowed continued efforts to guarantee humane lives for the people in the North. The report was revealed to the press yesterday and will be made accessible to the public from today. The government plans to release an English version of the report as soon as possible for international audiences.
0: Again, I mean, for all of our listeners out there, as you know, every Wednesdays we have North Korea now, and Chung uh, uh, Chai joins us in our program, and he shared a number of his stories. We've also had uh, uh, the author of uh, F- Green Light to Freedom, uh, Han Sung Mi, share some of her testimonies as well, but. It's all been known. Um, but the fact is, yes, it's going to shed light to the dire situation over in North Korea. But is it going to change anything? Mm-hmm. No. And that's the unfortunate thing, right? It's mm-hmm. not like there's all the information. And then North Korea goes, oops, I'm sorry. Oh, you found <laughs> out. Well, let's uh, start changing our ways. That's not how it works. Right. That's the unfortunate mm-hmm. thing here. Uh, in the meantime, this is quite concerning here. Russia is reportedly seeking to secure additional ammunition in exchange for food to North Korea. This is according to US authorities on Thursday. So uh, let's get information on this.
1: Yes, um yesterday we talked about pro-Russian government media's report saying that North Korea is about to send its soldiers and combat missions in support of Russia's special military operation referring to the war in Ukraine. And today, another concerning news came out in regards to North Korea being involved to the war in Ukraine. According to U.S. authorities on Thursday, Russia is planning to secure more ammunition in exchange of food to North Korea to fuel the war in Ukraine. In response, Washington have strongly warned of the actions of Pyongyang and Moscow by imposing sanctions on arms dealers of Slovak nationals who were involved in the exchange of necessary goods between the two countries. Washington also emphasized that it will not stand by those who support Russia's invasion and brutal war against Ukraine. And the U.S. will continue to identify, expose and respond to Russia's attempts to acquire military equipment from North Korea or other countries ready to support Russia to continue the war. Yes,
0: yeah, so ammunition is a different story compared mm-hmm. to uh, supplying them or giving them assistance with troops, right? If you right. have troops in there, then that's again, world war is going to break out. Mm-hmm. But when you say ammunition, Russia can argue that, well, I mean, you guys are giving Ukraine all these yes. tanks mm-hmm. and uh, fighter jets and things like that. What's the mm-hmm. ammunition, right? So at least on this front, we've avoided the worst here. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, speaking of trying to avoid the worst, uh, let's talk about that ever so popular Inflation Reduction Act uh, from the, the Biden administration. Uh, of course, trying to find out whether or not the electric vehicles, especially from all of us here in South Korea, the, uh, the South Korean car makers like Hyundai and Kia would be able to qualify for that $7,500 tax credit. Now, even before the official release, there's been some widespread speculation that the US guidance will most likely slash EV tax credits. Hannah, you have more on this.
2: Yes. Now, this all started with a U.S. official telling Reuters on Wednesday that the U.S. Department of Treasury's battery sourcing guidance would result in fewer EVs qualifying for full or partial tax credits. He said the administration believes the tax incentives will spur consumer demand for EVs over time as automakers reorganize their supply chains to comply with the IRA's regulations on key mineral and battery components components. However, it is not yet clear when and how many EVs will be excluded from the tax break, according to Reuters. The guidance on battery sourcing was meant to kick in on January 1, 2023. But in last December, the Treasury Department decided to hold off until March this year to give some EV makers a grace period to meet the requirements Now, the Inflation Reduction Act, or IRA, was signed by President Biden in August last year, offering a federal tax break worth up to $7,500 to households for EVs assembled only in North America. Under the IRA, 50% of the value of battery components must be produced or assembled in North America for EVs to qualify for $3,750 of credits. The batteries in an electric vehicle must source at least 40% of its minerals from the United States or a country with a free trade agreement to qualify for the IRA's EV tax credits. The Treasury said the guidance will define key terms such as processing, extraction and recycling under the IRA, as well as requirements related to free trade agreements. The U.S. auto industry is demanding that the guidelines should include details on how minerals and components should be categorized to qualify for the tax credits, according to Reuters.
0: So obviously, with something like this, and we've talked about some of the backlash Mm it's gotten from South Korean side, but there's got to be some strong backlash in regards to this.
2: Of course, indeed. U.S. Senate Energy Committee Chair Joe Manchin, who is the lawmaker who crafted the law's content sourcing rules, said on Wednesday he may go to court after the U.S. Treasury releases guidance later this week if... It goes off the rails and violates the intent of the climate legislation approved in August. Manchin said he is most concerned about how Treasury will classify processing and manufacturing in determining eligibility for the $7,500 worth of EV tax credits. While Manchin threatens to sue U.S. Treasury over the EV tax credit rules, the White House and Treasury Department had no immediate comment on Manchin's remarks.
0: Of course, we talked about with President Yoon heading over to uh, Washington next Mm -hmm. month. Uh, Maybe one of the things that uh, they're going to be able to talk about is not only extended deterrence, but on the Inflation Reduction Act, whether or not South Korea will get any kind of exemption or even a grace period is what we're kind of hoping for as well. Uh, In the meantime, the U.S. Department of Commerce will start accepting subsidy applications for chip facilities. uh, This starting in March 31st. That is currently so in the United States right mm-hmm. now is looking at the time whether or not they went over. It. But uh, yeah, nevertheless, uh, still global semiconductor companies, including Samsung Electronics, are still undecided. Now this is due to unfavorable conditions for foreign firms, is what they're saying. It's discrimination. Seung, you have more on this.
1: Yes, basically the domestic companies are saying that. There is no deadline for applications for subsidies, so uh, we would rather uh, just uh, wait and see uh, what kind of and continue consultations with the U.S. to change some of the conditions. There's no need to apply right now. And as mentioned several times on the show before, under the current measure, South Korean chip makers should share some of their excess profits with the U.S. Commerce Department. And here's the biggest uh, bigger problem. They have to share sensitive confidential information as well to receive incentives. Meanwhile, post processing facilities will be eligible to apply for subsidies starting on June 26th. So, SK Hynix, which is seeking to build a packaging plant or post processing facility, has a little more time, but uh, it also remains to be seen how the situation will pan out in the future as well. And some predict that the application will be submitted only after the Yun Biden summit scheduled for the end of next month, which signals that domestic firms are hoping that the government will come up with a practical solution through this state visit because right now there are more disadvantages than advantages to South Korean companies under current conditions.
0: Again, I mean, Biden was not wrong with his America First slogan mm-hmm. that he had. Well, that was kind of the response to uh, Trump's uh, Make America Great Again, right? Yeah. His his slogan was uh, America First and that's exactly what you're right. seeing. So if you look at it from the American perspective, mm-hmm. it is great. Mm-hmm. But then again, you're making you might be making America first, but you're also pushing aside many of your allies. Uh, not just South Korea, but uh, the EU countries have been very upset with this as well. I Mm -hmm. believe Japan Mm -hmm. uh, expressed some concerns. Uh, Speaking of which, some of the other countries, uh, Taiwan's uh, TSMC, the world's largest chip foundry, also expressing some concerns over this U.S. Chips and Science Act. Tell us more about this.
1: Right. Um, Regarding the Chips and Science Act, TSMC Chairman Mark Liu said on Thursday that um, there are some conditions that are unacceptable. And he said, we are still discussing it with the U.S. government and we hope that we can adjust the conditions to prevent negative consequences. Geez, I don't know. When a
0: whole bunch of peop- countries, uh, a whole bunch of companies, are saying it's unacceptable and it's mm-hmm, not fair, mm-hmm. I think there's something wrong with this, right? Nevertheless, speaking of the United States, they welcome uh, what they called courage shown by South Korean President Yoon Suk Yeol for reaching out to Japan. A ranking White House official. Saying this on Thursday, uh, really highlighting the importance of cooperation between the two U.S. allies. Hannah, you have mm-hmm. more on this.
2: Yes. Now, the official is known to be Kurt Campbell, the deputy assistant to the president and National Security Council coordinator for the Indo Pacific. He said in a seminar hosted by the Center for a New American Security, a Washington based think tank, that he wanted to commend the courage of President Yoon in his decision to take some of these steps and to go to Japan and to make some unilateral steps. Yoon visited Tokyo earlier this month for a summit with Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida, becoming the first South Korean president in 12 years to visit Japan for a bilateral summit. Yoon's trip to Japan also followed historic steps taken by Seoul to resolve thorny historical issues stemming from Japan's colonial rule of Korea. Campbell insisted that Yoon's courageous move is not often seen on the global stage and it has to be acknowledged. He also stressed the importance of cooperation between Seoul and Tokyo as Washington has been seeking to strengthen and expand trilateral cooperation between the U.S. and its two Asian allies, citing the trilateral summit held last November and showing hopes for another engagement in the near future. In fact, Japan will be hosting the Group of Seven summit in Hiroshima in May, and another round of a trilateral summit is expected to take place on that occasion. Campbell stressed the purpose behind this trilateral cooperation is strong deterrence and solidarity in the face of increasing North Korean provocations, as well as to talk about technology standards, regional issues, and challenges, and to see what's possible with respect to trilateral engagement.
0: So, I mean, we've I mean, heard that this is not the first time we've heard this, right? Mm-hmm. Trilateral cooperation between the U.S., South Korea, and Japan and things like that. that mm-hmm. Washington has always kind of stressed that. But did Campbell reveal any of Washington's approach or plans to strengthen relations with some of the other c- countries other than South Korea and Japan?
2: Well, yes, too, actually, there is China and Taiwan. So regarding U.S.-China relations, Campbell pointed to last year's summit between President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping, saying the two leaders made it clear that they would take deliberate steps to build a more predictable and stable relationship. The world will see in the coming months whether it is possible Possible to re-establish predictable and constructive diplomacy between the United States and China. He also added that the United States intends to keep channels of communication open with China. But he also admitted that Washington's efforts to build foundations and safeguards have not yet been successful, noting that China is reluctant to engage in conversations about building confidence or crisis hotlines. However, the U.S. is ready to rebuild communication channels, according to the NSC official. In terms of the Taiwan issue, Campbell said that the U.S. approach is to preserve peace and stability, adding that remaining the status quo is in the best interests of all parties.
0: I'm just saying, Mm. right, like, (laughs) if you're China and you hear this, if you're China and you hear this and you Mm. go, geez, I don't know, you guys just recently had the Summit for for Democracy Mm -hmm. and basically completely isolated us out. And Mm -hmm. you've been, you know, forming this group Mm -hmm. uh, and basically saying don't export any of your semiconductor chips over to China. And then you go, man, China is not striking any dialogue with us i mean would you, i mean you kind of have to understand this right i mean mm-hmm. that's and so that's the reason i'm not taking any sides but this is the reason mm-hmm. why china has come out basically saying what u.s is doing is very hypocritical mm-hmm. right that you're talking about oh, we need a uh, dialogue and the world needs to come together and mm-hmm. be one and yet i mean what we're seeing is basically the united states i said not to say that i agree with everything that china has been doing mm-hmm. uh I definitely don't agree with everything that Russia has been doing, and then maybe that's one of those countries that you sh- certainly should be mm. isolating right now. But mm-hmm. I wonder what China would, how China would respond to this, to be honest definitely. with you. Let's move on here. Um, this is quite interesting. It's finally happened. Uh, former U.S. President Donald Trump, uh, he's gonna, he became the first uh, ever U.S. president uh, <laughs> to be indicted. Uh, he he's facing over 30 counts. Uh, wow. I mean, I can't name all of them, but like the main ones are like business fraud. Uh, also, I think the one that really stands out is the allegation of sexual harassment. Right. Sam, what are we looking at here?
1: Yeah, for the first time in the U.S. history, a former president to be indicted. A former U.S. president, Donald Trump, was indicted by a 23-member Manhattan grand jury on Thursday over allegations of hush money payments made in 2016. And at least 12 people seem to have voted for the indictment, given that the Manhattan grand jury consists of 23 people. And in response, Trump argued that he is completely innocent, and Thursday's decision is the greatest witch hunt in history. The details of the indictment has been filed under seal and are expected to be announced in the coming days. But what we need to focus on is the money paid by the Trump Grip to the porn star ahead of the 2016 presidential, uh, presidential election is equivalent to illegal campaign funds in that it was used for Trump, then a presidential candidate. And now the indictment is expected to affect the next presidential race as well, as former President Trump has officially announced his candidacy for the 2024 presidential election.
0: Yeah, so basically, when you're running for a president, right, mm-hmm. uh, you get a lot of these like uh, donation money from right. whether it be like corporations or even just like business individuals or even, you know, just average people like you and I, right? Mm. But you can't use that presidential campaign money to hush a porn star who, mm-hmm. you know, you might have done some bad things with. Mm-hmm. But what's scary about this is, I don't know if you guys follow, followed up on this story, but uh, Donald Trump came out basically, you know, p- telling his supporters to go out there and protest this. This is the greatest witch hunt, that this is a political retaliation. Right. Go out there and mm. get your voices heard and get... what. Very similar to uh, what we saw during the January 6th uh, mm-hmm. Capitol Hill yes. Uh, yes. incident, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Where kind of, uh, that was the other thing that uh, mm-hmm. and Trump was mm-hmm. kind of...
1: Trump was behind all the incidents. Yeah, and so that was the other uh, investigation, say, right? Yeah. Whether or
0: not, like, you know, he was, uh, that was that big fight. Is mm-hmm. Trump really guilty of inciting uh-huh. violence was what it is. But the fact that the matter is he was not happy and then, you know, he got his people and then, you know, now wave of Trump supporters are getting arrested um, mm-hmm. and things like that. And so whether or not this is going to cause another violent Uh, you know, protests from the Trump supporters. And have you Uh seen before, I mean, the Trump supporters, they can get very, very violent, right? And so to incite violence, once again, is very concerning here, but it is going to be uh, very uh, interesting here. Alicia Mm -hmm. Fisher says, and then on that point, everyone vote, your opinion matters, go vote. Um, yeah, I always say but that's, the, the, that's the thing with like the U.S. though. You guys, I, I shouldn't say you because
1: I'm an American <laughs> city. one of them.
0: I, I'm one of them too. Uh, I, I apologize. <laughs> I've, I've lived here for quite a long time. Is the electoral college, uh, the electoral v- college uh, voting system is just way outdated. So like mm-hmm. when you're like me right. and I'm a resident, official resident uh-huh. of New York and mm-hmm. New York always goes blue. Yeah. You kind of go, I mean, uh what what's 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 the the Democrats? It's red, it's red, it's red. Yeah, it's red. red. I got confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, <laughs> shows you how long <laughs> I've been living here. You tend to go. Oh, I'm not going to vote. They're going to go Democrat anyway. So that's the kind of the flaw. But Alicia, I mean, you're in a. I believe you're in a Louisiana, which is a highly Republican. Uh, it's it, oh, man. I, actually, they swing a little bit back mm-hmm. and forth. Mm-hmm. So. Yan, are you voting too? Uh, voting for what? <laughs> 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 is, there, is, is there anything going on right now? I don't know.
1: If you want to vote, how how can you vote?
0: Uh, I have to do overseas absentee votes, but oh. uh, I, I, I have not done Let's that okay. ever.
2: Anyway. <laughs> so you've never voted in your life?
0: No. Oh, my. really? Never voted, ever. Oh, wow. I voted for school. It's really
2: hard to believe that. <laughs> Who's the like Korea now?
0: <laughs> I, I, voted, I voted in for a school president, which I was kicked <laughs> off of. I was forced to uh, resign from. But anyways, uh, one last story here. A Wall Street Journal reporter uh, was arrested in Russia on alleged spying charges here at the Important thing here is the fact that he is an American. Mm -hmm. The Biden administration strongly urging Americans to avoid traveling to Russia. If you're already there, leave Russia as well. Hannah, you're going to round things out for Mm us.
2: So, Russia's main security service, the FSB, said on Thursday it opened a criminal case against U.S. national Evan Gershkovich on suspicion of espionage. The FSB claimed that Gershkovich, a correspondent based in Moscow, had been trying to obtain state secrets about the activities of one of the enterprises of the Russian military industrial complex at the behest of the United States. The Kremlin said he had been caught red handed but presented no documentary or video evidence. It is believed to be the first criminal case for espionage against a foreign journalist in post-Soviet Russia, a crime punishable by up to 20 years' imprisonment. The Wall Street Journal, Reporters Without Borders, and others are alarmed by what seems to be a retaliation measure that journalists have been targeted and have called for Gershkovich's immediate release.
0: Yeah, so uh, just last week, I believe a Russian national uh, was arrested over in the United States for alleged spying. But mm-hmm. like, they, like mm-hmm. the prosecutors had a whole bunch of evidence against this person. Mm-hmm. He, he had uh, some ID with uh, a different name and things like that. And so they're saying, Moscow, the Kremlin didn't say it, but it does seem like a retaliation measure, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he did this to us. And I mean, we've seen Russia do this before, even with Ukraine, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is very concerning, uh, especially because we've seen with the Brittany Griner... Actually, the Brittany Griner case is a little mm-hmm. bit different because she was caught with some illegal right. substances. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, there was an exchange there. That's Whether or not this is going to lead to an exchange, we'll have to find out. But nevertheless... For our reporters, guys, thank you very much for coming in today with your reports. I hope you guys have a safe weekend. And uh, we'll see you guys next season in the new season of Korea (laughs) Now, right? (laughs) All right. There you have it. Take care, guys. Thank Thank you. You You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6pm to 8pm, Korea time.